I seem to recall you you said something to the effect of I've never been fired or for performance. It's always been due to stuff. Okay. Yeah. As, I guess as you know, I I've been I think I've been really lucky so far because everybody has a perspective on the effect of being let go. Like even if you haven't been low let go because of performance, you still have to bounce back and figure out how to bounce back. So we're gonna go. That's still the that's still the name of the game. Uh, so here we are with another episode of Dismissed, a podcast about getting let go and letting that go. Uh, with me today is David. Um, David, oh, want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, uh, my name is David Fulda. Uh, I'm a content creator in the advertising sphere here in Toronto. Oh, what does that mean, content creator? It depends on the company. Some it's actually <laughs> it's kind of it's very broad but i do photo and video work in-house at an agency so it's okay. like when a budget is a little bit less to uh outsource or we just decide we want to do something in-house i'm doing the photos i'm doing the videos okay at, at some companies it's also social media manager but that's a totally different discipline and i don't agree with that <laughs> well it's very similar to being a creative technologist we honestly there's there's so many different varieties of creative technologists that uh when i when i say that's what i am it's it's this weird assumption that maybe i do front-end development work and i really have no idea how to do that anymore so but i find that it really interesting so i will get into the the meat of the the episode, but that probably leads you to your career choice as you are. Um, everything, everything goes from one step to another, but I, I'm curious about the content creation thing, mostly because if you were to talk to someone who is say, I, I, I interviewed someone who was a, a carpenter and he, he made um, large installations for weddings and parties and whatnot. And he called himself a content creator because he, he viewed all the videos that he made as part of the construction process as content. So he called himself a content creator. That's why I jumped on it. Cause I was really curious about your perspective on it because everybody's going to have their own very unique perspective. And uh, I find that really interesting that that could be a title and a job within the marketing realm. Yeah. So I find that content creator, a lot of people, when I say that they think it's a euphemism for influencer and which is why <laughs> I always tag on, in advertising, like content right. creator in advertising, because yeah. influencers are content creators. They're doing photo and video content. Um, and while it's usually on their phone, it's usually specifically for a different audience than some of my work. Some of my work is for social, but it's interesting how broad it is. I know someone who's a content creator at Netflix and they're basically making memes. Right. Right. Um, so it, it, it's an incredibly broad job title, mm -hmm. but I mean, my first job working with uh, working with mo moving pictures, I asked my boss what my job title was, and he told me it was meat because, <laughs> because I was just doing a little bit of everything. Right. <laughs> that I'm, well, I mean, there are worse titles, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, in 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 the industry, but. Meat, meat certainly has a, a, a definitive ring to it. Um, at any rate, do you feel that that what you're doing now, can you sort of track that path? How long have you been uh, in advertising? For uh, I've been trying to push into advertising for two or three years since just before the pandemic. Okay. And then I got a couple freelance gigs here and there doing video editing or um, 
a little bit of photo stuff. And then this job came along and it's like, it was, I don't want to sound too romantic and mushy about it, but it was my dream job because I just, I just get to make cool stuff all day. Can I swear on this? I don't know. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I get to make cool shit all day. And it's (laughs) awesome. I like that. You're trying to protect yourself. Have you ever met me? (laughs) Um, So, so are you relatively new to, having a career like are you a pretty young person or what's the uh well i i I still like to think i'm young i'm 30 but like i still like to think i'm young um but i've been working professionally with images for since i was about 18 or 19 okay um i started in like the film industry proper uh doing long form content and then i moved into um uh, and then I moved into like nature documentaries and then I moved back doing uh, more long form content like TV shows. And then now I'm in advertising and it's like, yeah. it's a, it's a very interesting trajectory because it, it was going from long form to short form. If you look at it from a macro level, but from a more micro level, it was, I was a colorist and then I was meat. So color sure. compositing, editing, and then I was just a colorist again. And then I was freelancing for a while. And then now I'm back to doing basically what I was doing when freelancing, but getting paid better with more right. uh, with benefits. stability. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, um, it's so weird that we're on, on this instead of like going straight into what I, what, what the <laughs> podcast, it all, it all works together. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, what made you want to get into advertising? Was it the instability of film? Because because it's such a weird uh, career. Um, it was more so because of there were two reasons. One was money. The money is better in advertising than in film, unless you're in the union. Uh, but since I worked mostly in post production, there's not really a post production union that's super well known and that everyone's in, okay. as well as the idea that I'd be working on shorter projects, I'd be able to do more in the, so in three years, I might work on two shows, right? but in six months, I've seven, eight months that I've been at my current position, I've worked on, I, I lost count of how right. many different. Things. Of course. Yeah. Well, so it's, like, it's advertising is interesting in, in that, in that regard and that you're just constantly going right. Like they, mm-hmm. they, I mean, you're, they obviously want to keep you billable at the very least, so you're always going to have something to do. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. let's 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 roll it back and and, and get on topic. And and uh, although I, I I honestly believe that everybody's path is unique and and interesting, and it all provides uh, uh, meat for the grinder. Um, <laughs> I, I I I am interested in in you had kind of you were really uh, explicit in saying that you had never lost your job due to bad performance and i i wondered how i knew that i knew that there was a a, a reason that i wanted to talk to you and it was I, I, it was because when you when you even when you lose your job due to poor, poor performance or you don't lose your job to poor performance you just lose your job you still have to figure out a way to pick it all back up so i really wanted to hear about your perspective when when you talked about i think you'd mentioned three but i mean like perhaps the most turbulent for you would be interesting to, to chat about yeah so the most turbulent for me the first the first one was i got called into an office and he said hey we have to let you go but i set you up at this other shop so it was like <laughs> fantastic um 
the second one, it was uh, work kind of dried up and it was really tough because uh, in Nova Scotia, we had a tax credit that was really great. And in the film industry, compared to advertising, the film industry, especially in Canada, really, really relies on tax credits. Right. And the government decided we're going to chop that out because mm-hmm. they basically looked at the spreadsheet and just ignored the part that showed the profit. And they're just like, we're just going to cut that out. Yeah. Um, so there was an 82% drop in film work in Nova Scotia in one year. Right. And then I was working at a, at a shop, a production company, and they basically let me go because work had dried up. All of mm-hmm. the contracts were done. And I had to, I was at this crossroads in my life. Like I can stay in Nova Scotia. I can try and make freelancing work. I can try and maybe join the union when there's no work to be had. Right. I can give up on this dream of working with images for my life. Or I can take this EI money that I'm going to be getting for the next eight months and get the fuck out of Dodge and move to Toronto. Right. Like Toronto's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it's really funny because I, you know, I've lived in Toronto for a long time, 20 something years. And uh, I I don't, I never know the math, but 1993 was when I moved. So nearly 30 years. But um, it wasn't my answer. You know what I mean? Like it, my answer, I was going to art school. So I had to come to Toronto because that's where the art school was. But mm-hmm. I had no interest in remaining here. And then, I, and then I've stayed and I've made a family and a career and, a, you know, all this sort of stuff. But I always, it always threw me off when that was the direction people chose. And I, you know, I know why I do in, in my brain of brains, not my heart of hearts, why. And I always think like, there's always so much nicer. There are so many nicer places to live than Toronto, but the opportunities in Toronto, if you're going to have a career in advertising, most especially mm-hmm. Toronto's the answer, right? Yeah. And advertising wasn't even on my mind when I moved here. It oh, was really? Because, yeah, it was, it was still film industry post-production. Oh, I thought okay. I was going to be a colorist for, for the rest of my life. Right. And then I ended up at a shop that really underpaid people, but the, but the uh, and it, it took me like four or five, maybe six months of just nothing before I found right. my next job. And it was really tough. You know, in Canada, we have EI, which is fantastic. It's such a great resource. But when you're already making not a lot of money and then they take 25 percent of that, mm-hmm. it's and you move to a new city. That's one of the most expensive cities in the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, you go through some rough times it's true. Uh, and then, yeah. And it was fantastic. The shop I ended up at was again, doing post-production in film industry. Uh, and it was, it was nice because the people were great. The I was actually getting paid less in Toronto than I was in Nova Scotia. Right. Not by much, but like enough that like you look at your paycheck and like, I was making more in a smaller town. Um, but then that job they had me on, it was supposed to be like, it was, it was originally supposed to be six weeks of nights and then move to days end up being 56 weeks of nights. And then they let me go. Oh man. Um, so I was working nights and it was just on one show. And that's, that's the show 
that's the place where it made me go on working advertising because I worked for over a year <laughs> on one project. Right. And it's like, I've been working at this place for a year and there's one thing I can put on my resume. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, no, nah, I've got no counter to that. That sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, so then what I, 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 I mean, because I, I was, I came into advertising and marketing or whatever so long ago, and it was such a natural progression for me. Um, how, how did you sort of move yourself into it? Because you still had to, like, did you have connections or what, what, what sorted you out? I had zero connections. Oh, okay. So um, in advertising, and I had very few in the film industry in Toronto because I basically moved here. And then after a couple months, I got that job. So like, I didn't network. I'm like, I got right. a job. I'm cushy. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then, so what happens, like I would shoot my own stuff a lot, um, a lot of my own photos and videos. And then I would just hunt the job boards while trying to find work. And, you know, I worked at call centers and for a couple months here and there, mm-hmm. just sometimes just got to make any, um, and then I uh, was thinking, like, maybe I should go into advertising. Maybe I should give up doing things lens-based and with photos and videos and go back to school for design. Hmm. And I ended up joining the Facebook Toronto Advertising Facebook group. And I was right. like, hey, I want to, you know, any art directors here, I want to take you out for a beer and just pick your brain a bit. And I forget, it was... It was Ryan Fox, who to this day would be like, you don't need to uh... go to school. No, he was. No, he's like, you don't you don't need to take what I say seriously. I was drunk. But like Uh... what he said changed my life because he we were chatting for a bit because I was talking like, you know, like I don't have much design experience. But I think that in 10 years I could be an art director if I go to design school now. Right. Like that's like you're thinking about it in the right time frames. And then he's like. And he's like, give me your phone. Let me look at your Instagram. He looks at my Instagram. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, you have what other people say they have. Right. Don't be an art director. Do this. Hmm. Um, and that, you know, that little conversation that I was going to pay for it. He paid for it. So it was a free advice. Um, <laughs> like I was going to pay for the beers. And then right. he, he was like, no, I'll put, get it. Um yeah, that little piece of advice. I was like, okay, let's keep going lens base. Let's keep doing this. And right. then I, f- and then I uh, freelanced at an agency for. It, originally, I was applying for a job. They had me freelance for them for three months. Mm-hmm. Made more money than I had made in my entire life. And I'm like, oh, right, advertising, <laughs> advertising. <laughs> and then you know, I shot. Um, I shot my first national campaign a year or two later, which was not not enough money, but I'm like, it's my first national campaign. Yeah. It's like, I'm a queer person and I like photographing queer people and it was photographing other queer people. Right. It was for a brand that is uh that has shown support. So like, it wasn't just like, a, it wasn't just a token pride campaign. It came out in September. Gotcha. And and like I get to have a national campaign under my belt. Yeah. It was awesome. And then a little bit more freelancing here and there. And I was, it was probably the most broke I've ever been when <laughs> I turned 30. Right. And then within 48 hours, I had three job offers. Just 
by happenstance. Well, by happenstance, but also th- that's called laying the groundwork. Like you do, yeah. the, you do those jobs and you start making the connections. You don't. Re- sometimes you you think of it as a throwaway, like oh, I did this job. It was maybe a week, but you showed you're a professional and you showed you could do the job. You showed you you were interested in the work. And you were and you were efficient. So the likeliest thing is that someone who knew someone else said, "Hey, by the way, I worked with this guy." And I mean, the possibility of of that word of mouth being the thing that led to your, you know, three job offers, mm-hmm. you know, forty eight hours after your thirtieth birthday, especially in Toronto. Toronto is the word. I like I always call it the incestuous bed of marketing. It's, we we know everybody. We know each other. You know, you get a bad reputation. That bad reputation just follows you around like a bad smell. So it's mm-hmm. it's always good if you happen to be good at your one good at your job but also a, you know a good person, right? That 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 also helps. So I mean, I'm one congratulations. If I wasn't holding my mic stand still, I would give you a little applause, but I mean, very, (laughs) very glad to see that, that, that worked out for you. And I'd like to point out the value of a a small pat on the back, right? Like having, having Ryan say to you, you're doing what other people say they can do. Right. That, Mm -hmm. that had to have felt incredible in a moment when you're, when you're not feeling great. Yeah, it was, you know, from him, he'll say like, oh, I was just, I was just drunk. Don't take it seriously. But to me, like it, it literally changed my life because yeah. right now I'd be a junior designer at some big firm working crazy long hours. And now I'm at a smaller firm that I love working. Respects your time. Yeah. And like to, to give props to the place where I'm at now, they respect my time. I have, you know, I'm getting paid very fairly i'm i'm not getting paid you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars but i'm also not scraping by like you're not it's, hungry it's like, anymore it's it's like a nice mm, yeah kind of and it, it's great because they respect my time they respect my value and i have a lot of freedom as a content creator there's a couple of our clients that it's a little like if you don't have anything to do these specific clients just go make content for them and then we'll post it. That's great. And Um, did they, did, did your current employee, you're welcome to shout out your employers, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Were they the ones that sort of translated your skill set into content creator or did you say to them, this is what I am or how did, how did it come about that? That's the job you got. So what happened was um, my recruiter, Sarah Stapley, who I will always shout out at all times. Um, Sarah Stapley posted on LinkedIn, Hey, I have a client. They're looking for a content creator. It's a weird job. Here's all these things that you need to be able to do. And like, I can do all of those things. Right. And I, and I applied and I got it. It's funny. Um, the company I work for, it's, it's venture communications at the umbrella. And then I work for like all of the subsidiaries, depending on the day. Sure. And it's really funny because you know, I got that call for the interview and I thought it went really well. And then the second interview just didn't happen. I'm like, and I called, called Sarah like every week. It took like three weeks, but it felt like a month, like yeah, yeah. months and months well, and months. a and month like, is four weeks. So you're yeah, week but it felt like It felt like multiple <laughs> it months. Felt a long time. It felt like a long time. Um, and then I was like, hey, and then finally get a call. I'm like, David, I have good news. I'm like, oh, I got the second interview. And she's like, no, you got the job. I'm like, <laughs> like three weeks of waiting, thinking you're going to get a second interview and you get the job. I mean, that's, that's, that's real. 
But you, yeah. did you just like jump up and down or what? Yeah, I jumped up and down. <laughs> I called my mom, and that's not a joke. Like I literally called my mom like three times a week, anyways. So I'm like, me too. Me too. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was a great time, and then I had my six month and then it's funny the day i had my six month review about a month or two ago i also got employee of the month they oh, amazing. Call it employee of the month but um but that's they, what it is yeah that's what it is you're, a, um, a, you're a, a, a piece of brass on a plaque yes and uh are you really is there really like a plaque that it says no, like oh no <laughs> oh that'd be great it's just a shout out during the all staff meeting they're like this person was pushing potential and then I was like, oh. this person was taking a nap five minutes before this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so rarely do individuals that contribute to a company get called out if, if they're not most specifically, if they're not account. So if they're account people, it's like, look what, what a great job they did bringing in business, right? Like that's, that's account people are always getting called out. It's great. But or or if they're in the creatives and they win awards, it's look at the awards that these people got, not acknowledging the entire team that was involved, but it was so and so's idea, they get the award. Let's call it out. So it's it's really nice to see an organization saying this person is they're not building revenue in terms of like bringing in new clients, but they are maintaining the clients that we have and they're helping to, you know, build growth sort of in in an organic sense, obviously. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a, a shout out to your employers for doing that. Yeah. It's it, my employers, um, you know, venture is just, I'm not being paid to say this. Well, I guess I kind of am cause I, I work for them, but like they haven't <laughs> asked, they don't know I'm doing this, but like they're fantastic. It was between them and a big company that I'm not going to mention. Um, I basically had two, two kind of job offers on the table. One was, right freelance with us for three months because we're too busy to onboard you and then we'll bring you on. Right. And the other one was, Hey, we want you right now. And it was a giant, giant, giant conglomerate of a company, a smaller company. And I'm like, everyone I talked to was like the smaller company. It's like you work at a giant company, they chew you up, they spit you out and then you yep. use that experience to work at a smaller shop. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'll just go work at the smaller shop. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, yeah, it's, it'd be nice to be able to be like, Hey, I worked for Coca-Cola for six months. <laughs> For six years, but yeah, it's also nice to say, "Hey, I've had really great mental health all through yeah. my thirty. I've had work-life balance through a pandemic." Yeah. When did you get the job? I'm sorry, I, I, I just like I... six, seven months ago. So the okay. pandemic was winding down. So you, I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but so yeah. you, you were sort of trying to work out your advertising world life during a pandemic as well. So yeah. you went full shut, shut down, lockdown, and you were freelancing and, and struggling and all this stuff, man. Yeah. Good for you. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really quite happy to hear that you, that you scored a gig. And I mean, six months ago, we're fourth wave Omicron kind of thing. Like it's, it's really interesting to, to note that you're talking about like November, December kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for you. Thank you. And uh, it's funny, they originally, they asked me, I was warned about this question for the interview. They're like, they're going to ask you to move to Calgary. It's not a <laughs> deal breaker. And like, it's a deal breaker for me. So they asked the question and I thought, I thought about it long enough. Cause like, I didn't want to just be like, no, immediately. Right. No, like I wanted to at least seem like I was open to the idea. 
And I think about it for a couple seconds and I go, no, I don't think I can move to Calgary. And then the person I was interviewing with was like, you answered that really quickly. And I'm like, oh, I already knew this question was coming. And I tried to pretend that I didn't. But right. yeah, it's been a great few months at this company. I'm going to be staying here as long as, as, long as, long as you're allowed, right? Yeah. yeah. It is funny. We, we, we joke about um, when you... Uh, people that foster dogs for instance right or foster pets in general they always call it the forever home and it's always like oh look at how cute but we don't talk about that when it comes to advertising and marketing and and our careers very rarely especially in in the like you're kind of a generation behind me in, in terms of marketing but we don't talk about things as being a forever situation we talk about it as being transient like we're here until we can either be promoted as high as we can possibly be promoted, or we find another job that's going to do it for us. And it's such a, it's such a cutthroat. And that's part of the reason for the podcast is it's a very cutthroat lifestyle to, to live where good money, you know, good benefits, uh, very rarely is work-life balance taken into account more so now. I think that that's probably part of it is that, you know, the reason that you're able to say like my mental health is way better my work-life balance is taken into account. That's probably because of two years of a pandemic, (laughs) you know, advertising and agencies have had to really, really look at what they've asked their employees to do and what their employees are willing to do, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's funny how, you know, with the great resignation that's going on right now with Gen Z entering the workforce and Mm -hmm. not taking any shit, Mm-hmm. Um, how employers, especially bigger ones, have to, they're like, people are realizing, like, oh, I can go work at this other company, make the same or like a slight pay cut, but they treat me better. Right. I'm going to go to the place where I'm treated better. Yeah. We, you know, having entered the advertising agency world in like 98 or 99, it, there, there was a real, there was a real thing where you'd kind of age out of, of where you were like they'd go well you're making more than we really want to pay this is not how it would be said but it would be like you would be sort of nudged out to bring in a junior that could they could bring in three juniors for your salary and churn them through until they would age out or they would quit um and that's part of being you know being a production person in in a production Mm -hmm. uh life but uh i I have been really pleased recently to watch how agencies have needed to adjust their expectations of staff and, 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 and new employees. And it is because of Gen Z coming in and, and giving zero fucks and, and just going like, well, I don't, I don't care what you think, you know, there are still going to be outliers of course, that, that follow that old kind of adage of just get it done and let's uh, let's make this happen. But I have been really impressed to watch the younger generation kind of, uh, let me let me temper this. I have been impressed with the attitude that they don't need to do the job, right? Like they can find another job if they have to, and they're willing to do other jobs, maybe don't pay as much. But there is also the issue of an expectation of getting paid way too much for the job that they're being offered. And I, I used to interview people coming out of college and just always be really surprised that their their salary expectations were super close to what I was getting paid. And I'm I was a senior, I was a manager, and I was like, wow, you you're on the wrong path you if you that's what you think you're going to get and they would just shrug and go well that's what i want 
<laughs> like, okay, yeah. like, I, man, I hope you get it. <laughs> you know? Like, you're not going to get it here. I can guarantee you that, you know? Yeah. You know, like, I'm sure that if I'd gone with the bigger company, I'd be making, you know, up a little bit more money. Um, and then in a year, I'd be making quite a bit more money. But like, I'd no. also be chewed. Oh. Yeah, I no, I believe I believe what you would end up having is that you would uh, do your three months. Maybe they'd then offer you six months. They wouldn't still be able to onboard you. They would have excuses, and it would it would just grind you out, and then move on. You know, and and you'd be where you are now, looking for another role, and you'd have yeah. passed up the role that you're comfortable with and making good money at, and able to survive. And the things the the number of times we look at. A situation that we believe is in our best interest, but is never ever going to be in our best interest, right? One of the mm-hmm. things in our conversations of this this podcast has always been: you need to look out for yourself because, and and advocate for yourself because a company is not there to do it for you, regardless of what HR says. With all due respect to my HR peeps, they're there to protect the interests of the the organization more often than not. Do you have any experience, kind of? needing to self-advocate on your behalf, own behalf, like to, to say like, you know, I just need more or I need something else within the same role. Um, I, within the same role um, at my six month review, I did ask for a higher salary just because I'd never asked. I had never been in a position where I've been able to ask for a higher salary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even when I was working at a place for a year, it was just, I didn't have six month checkups. Right. Um, so it was weird. Just pull my off pull the boss in the office at a random day and be like, yo, I want to raise. Right. Um, but I might, you know, I advocate for myself being like, yo, I've been doing really good work. I just got employed of the month. I'd love to talk about compensation. And then the answer was, we don't, we don't uh, do that at six months. I'm like, that's, that's pretty fair. Um, but <laughs> you but know, the bugs in their ear, right? Like that's the exactly. important thing. They're aware of it. I think, I think oftentimes we as employees will decide that we're not going to get that raise or, you know, maybe we've had a conversation that doesn't seem conducive to a a pay bump, but if they don't know you're interested or they don't know you would like one and and that you may have an argument for it, um, they're perfectly willing to pay you exactly what you've been paid up until this point. I, you know, I've had plenty of conversations where, and I'll say like this, these are the things I've done you know, I think I'm, I'm due up for a raise here. And, and, and generally the answer is always, yeah, sure. We, we need to make that happen. This is the time frame. Like as long as they didn't outwardly go, or sorry, not outwardly, but as long as they didn't like snap and go, Nope, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. And gave you some kind of time frame to aim towards. It helps you to, to have a goal, you know? Yeah. And I think that what also helped, which I am seeing more and more of, and this is going to be another shout out to Sarah is, you know, she put the salary range that they were budgeting for this role in the job description. So I know that I'm currently being paid less than what is budgeted. So like at my one year, I will probably be asking for more money um, because I asked for it at my six month. Yeah. But also just add advocating for myself in general is something I'm rather new to because um, growing up, I've, always been the type of person who always saw the best in people. And, you know, when I've gotten raised in the past, I didn't ask them. They just said, Hey, you know, right. you're doing a great job. Here's a little bit more money. And it's, and I remember going to meet 
the manager at uh, White's in Nova Scotia at the time. I don't know if he's still the manager. And I met him for the first time. And then my friend that introduced me to him after I left went, that David kid's really nice, and but he's, this industry is going to chew him up and spit him out. And my friend <laughs> looked at him and went, he's been working in film for like five years already. Right. Um, just because I, I generally, like I see the best in people. So advocating for myself always felt that I was being antagonistic to what someone has already putting their best foot forward. And now I know that's not true. Not at all. Yeah. Um, especially when talking business, especially when talking advertising, um, you know, like I've heard so many stories of people being like, Oh, we, we had $150,000 set aside for a role and asked for $75,000. We just gave them $75,000. Yep. So especially with big companies, especially with, um, dealing with companies that are just big enough to have HR. If they're big enough to have HR, they're worried about their business. Yeah. And advocating for yourself is, it took me a long time to realize advocating for yourself. is not rude. It's not being um, antagonistic. It's just advocating for yourself. Well, because that's that, because that's how you frame it. I mean, it's like, look, I'm, I'm just going to, I need to take care of me. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very, it always see, it, it can seem antagonistic because of the fact that they're protecting their side of it. And it, it, when anytime, anytime someone speaks up on their own behalf, it, it has in the view of the organization, most times it has a, an undertone of, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to go. Even if, even if there's never, it never entered your mind, you know, uh, if you don't do what I, what I'm telling you right now. I'm going to leave. So they, then they start to pull in their defenses and to protect themselves, not realizing that they just spoke to you in, in good faith. It could all be worked out or even just spoke to you about it, you know? And it's, it's such a strange, it's such a strange world to think that you need to couch your tone in a whole bunch of jargon to make them understand that you're just being upfront. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it, 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 like this is this will be three months since uh, I was let go, and um, I was I was saying to my buddy, I was like, I keep running through it. Like, what 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 would I have done differently? And I can think of a whole bunch of things that I could have done differently, but I also know that it was eventually going to fail, and I I I hate that self-awareness um, in something that I had actually believed was going to be my kind of forever home. I, I hate being aware of it. And it's one of those things in, in discussing with, with on another episode uh, with John Finkelstein, he'd said, you know, when you look at when you've been let go, you need to find out what bothers you about it. And you need to, you know, figure out what bothers you about it. Once you can identify that thing, you can work on that thing as opposed to this overarching, I hate this whole scenario you know, it's just like therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Like identify the thing that bothers you and, and work on that. And I, and I encountered like, as long as you're honest about it, as long as you can be honest with yourself, like maybe you are partly to blame for the whole, the whole thing. I can look at lots of things within it and go, Oh, I am sure that did not <laughs> come across as I might've, as I might've hoped. I, you know, my whole goal with this podcast, most especially, but you know, I think you'd come to a first next step. I really yeah. want people to be able to succeed. And I worry that we have 
insulated ourselves in the past couple of years, most especially, but insulated ourselves against disappointment, against rejection. We're not prepared for things. We just, we immediately take them as poorly as we possibly can because no one believes they are ever going to lose their job, right? Like you just go, well, why, why did I lose my job? In your case, it was, we don't have the work. And then you can point to provincial, you know, federal cuts and uh, tax cuts and all this stuff. You're like, oh man, if they just didn't do that, we'd be great. The only problem is that arts are the first thing that get cut. Always. Arts are always going to be the first thing to get cut because of the one thing that generates the least amount of revenue on a, on a, on a annual basis. So it's, mm-hmm. it's always going to be problematic. You know, grants that were available one year are not available the next. And, and you know, there are a bunch of people just scrambling, trying to figure out how am I going to pay my bills or how am I going to get that project I really want done? Yeah. It's just such a bummer. And what I will say is that when it feels like you're kind of sitting in the corner doing nothing for weeks on end, you know, like it, it, it was never a surprise when the, when those conversations happen. So if you mm-hmm. feel like, if you get that feeling in your gut, I haven't done work in a while. Like there's not been a whole lot for me to do lately, or you're just doing busy work when you used to be doing production work. Right. You know, start getting prepared because that conversation could happen sooner than you think. Um, yeah. It, it, I remember, I remember an agency closed down and I, I intended to put a night together for them. And it was, it was three months, two months later after they closed that the night was set to happen and none of them showed up. And I, and I remember being kind of bummed out that nobody showed up, but then somebody said to me, well, the people that were worth hiring got hired and the people that had been twiddling their thumbs before the, the agency closed, they weren't worth hiring because they just could not see the writing on the wall. Right. Like that is, it's, it is it is an interesting thing to be able to to be be more self-aware be, be more aware of what's going on around you that if all of a sudden you're if they're, if they're just giving you work to do that you're like but this is just busy work why am I wasting my time with this it's a good indicator that they don't have paying work for you to do and they're just trying to keep you busy until the paying work shows up and if that goes yeah. on for a couple of months you're just gonna be gone you know yeah that's a um, really good observation actually yeah and my uh, like the first job, the original plan, because the, the boss, the owner of the company was basically like, I'm going away for a month. Don't contact me. It's my first vacation since I founded the company. And the plan <laughs> was I'm going to kick ass, take names, and then ask for a raise. Right. What actually happened was I got strep throat twice, got mono, and then my gallbladder collapsed. Oh my God. But the actual amount of work that I missed in those three weeks that I was basically incapacitated right. was nothing. I didn't, there was they didn't feel shorthanded at all. So I came back to work and I kind of sat down and I'm like three weeks max left here. Brutal. Like I just knew it and I did what I could, but I was starting to look for other jobs just because I knew that the conversation was coming. Yeah. That was like, when I think of like, Oh, that was a shitty time in my life. That was a shitty time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, but I mean, we laugh, but the, the first six months of the pandemic, I wasn't doing anything. And I remember saying constantly to my manager, like, man, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm freaking out here. There's nothing for me to do. And I, I would be told like, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. And it's hard when you're used to being, I mean, shit, I'm doing a podcast on a, on a weeknight. Like I, 
I don't need to do this. This is not a thing yeah. that's, but I'm constantly doing a lot of things. And it, so to not be busy in my paying work was really disruptive to my, my, my stress, my level of stress yeah. <laughs> ratcheted up pretty quick when I started becoming less busy because being busy on shit I like to do as a, a side gig, that's different than being busy, not being busy on a, on a paying gig. You know? mm-hmm. I think we got a, a good episode here. I think we've got a good nice. chat, David. Can I just say, I didn't realize that the E in your last name was involved. I really just thought it was David J. Fold. I didn't realize yeah. David Fold. Like it says a, yeah, a lot of people mispronounce it. Um, I grew up in a very French community, so it's full day a lot. Full day, okay. Um, but no, it's it's full the like so. is it German or something like German, that? German Austrian, yeah, Austrian, yeah, yeah. Uh, my grandfather actually was on the Olympic swimming team. Really, in 1936. And uh, <laughs> did he win anything or? No, no, he didn't even get. Oh God, I just figured out what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's that's tough that's tough yeah, yeah. he was no. he was a backup but uh yeah it's it's, it's pretty funny to me oh God. okay well anyways david thank you so much i'm going to stop recording in a minute but thank you for for being involved i really appreciate your your part in this anytime thank you for having me This episode of Dismissed was produced by and is copyright of Hugh Elliott. Did you enjoy this episode and want to support the podcast? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Hugh Q Elliott, two L's and two T's. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month for behind the scenes, early releases, and even more content. Feel like you have a story to tell? Email Hugh dismissed at hughqelliot.com with the subject guest. Thanks for listening and have a fantastic day.